Hello, this is What's in the Bag with myself, Josh Shreve, live from my flat. It's not really live, but I am here for the foreseeable future due to the coronavirus situation. But I'm not going to go on about that today. Um, A few weeks ago, I had the chance to sit down with a really interesting guy called Ali McRae who basically led the BBC Sound Off 2020 list this year. The BBC Sound Off list is one of the biggest music lists in the world every single year, and it's 10 artists that over 200 judges think will be the sound of 2020. Right now is probably the perfect time to discover these artists, to be honest. You've got loads of time, but only once you've listened to this chat with Ali. Ali, you've done. Um, I I didn't realise quite how how many things you've done actually, <laughs> yeah. and it was through chatting to um, a girl called Shannon Carragher who oh, works yeah. for Carolina Fiction. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, she suggested you'd be a great person <laughs> to talk oh, to. God. So no pressure. Cool. I've locked no you pressure. in this room. Um, great. For the next half hour or so, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about you and, and what you've done and everything. So let's actually let's start with the BBC Sound Off. So obviously a massive massive thing recently for you. Totally. A- and and for the music industry, it's kind of like. Did you feel the pressure? Because it's kind of like the one that a lot of people say, that's the one we want to get on. That's the list we want our eyes to be on. It's really funny because, as you mentioned, I've done loads of different jobs and I'm sure we'll get into that. But it's because I can't hold one down. Um, <laughs> but I have such mixed feelings about it because I have managed a band in the past who were signed to Island Records who were a victim and then a recipient or like something I don't know what the word would be they were like a, they, they, they benefited from hype but they were also victims of hype and I've watched so many amazing artists be absolutely destroyed by so much expectation and then it all falling away or likewise I've watched so many artists get absolutely zero hype but then go on to be massively mm-hmm. successful so approaching the job so this was a, it's a three month role within the BBC which is funded for by BBC News BBC Music and Radio 1 so already you've got a lot of bosses. <laughs> um, but the thing that really draws me to the sound of is every single music outlet, be that YouTube or Vivo or Billboard or whoever, or the Evening Standard, they all do their ones to watch. But that's just someone who probably knows quite a lot, but that's just one person going, cool. Within that company, deciding who the top ten are. Whereas the thing that makes the sound of entirely unique and the reason it's so highly sought after and people still look at it after 18 years is because it's a completely unique way of choosing because it's totally impartial. I didn't get a vote. I got to choose, well, I actually asked 210 people across the music industry, across the world. Just com- just a few. Where does, just where, where a does few. the address book just start with that? <laughs> well, that's why the job's really good fun. Um, the, the It starts with looking at who did it last year. Um, and it's all, once we've done the vote, it's all publicly uh, shown who does it. We put it on the Sound Off website mm-hmm. and we show who's who's been on it, who's picked it. And I changed quite a lot this year. I went through, I looked at um, how people had previously voted. I looked at what people's positions were, because in music, as with my own career, things change so rapidly and people move on. And I wanted to make it a very, very, very without box ticking myself to death, a very balanced in terms of genre, in terms of diversity, in terms of position within the industry. So I think the importance of the live industry is huge because that's where people are actually selling tickets. You can't hype ticket sales in many mm-hmm. ways unless you 
busload people in who are hired as extras, but that would be extreme. <laughs> um, so I balanced it between the live industry, the streaming industry, the broadcasting industry, uh, podcasts. I brought on quite a few people who run really high-profile music podcasts, uh, including the guy who produces and presents Song Exploder. I don't know if you've ever oh, heard yes, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people who do one called Popcast for New York Times, people who... Uh, guy Ross Golan who does one called the And The Writer Is, he's an LA writer so brought in the podcast world, seeing as we're here um, I brought in people who the person that chose the music for Killing Eve mm-hmm. uh, the people that chose the music for Made in Chelsea and Love Island, people like that um, we brought in a lot of journalists because traditionally that's how it started, it was just journalists um, and radio DJs and all the rest of it and actually got some alumni artists so we had Billy Eilish we had uh, Lewis Capaldi and Churchies voted this year which was really good fun obviously they had a phenomenal 2019 mm. so yeah that that's how you pick that and then keeping it fresh and thinking okay we might have someone from Live Nation you know huge music organisation but do we really want the boss are they maybe the is it maybe the person actually booking the festival so people that booked festivals like Latitude or like Reading or um, people who booked Primavera you know all these people we reach out to and go right who are your top three picks so even though BBC is kind of the title the header of it that gives you an idea of just the amount of people that go into that correct and with the artists like Billie Eilish and Uh Lewis Capaldi are you you're obviously picking some of them and going well, you've done bloody well yeah. out of this. Um, does totally. that come with some pressure as well for you going, oh, we need to pick people that are then hopefully well, going to go on to, to vote on these things as well? That's a really amazing thing about the job and why I was drawn to doing it, even though there is a lot of pressure on the 10 acts that get on that long list. Um, I'm drawn to it because it is a purely balanced thing. And a lot of people don't see it as that. People just see it as the BBC's picks. But when you look into it, and we make it publicly available and I shout about it wherever I can, but you're basically saying this is an overview in an impartial way you know and some of the votes come down to like one or two votes and that's for us because so many record labels put money into influencing the people that vote on it I've got to keep it very quiet who I've asked that's insane like 210 people I think you said and one or two votes in it yeah Um, it kind of uh, if any any people blogging or anyone that sort of makes a Spotify playlist at the start of the year with ones to pick that's that seems quite light in comparison. That's <laughs> quite a different business. Beast. Yeah. Looking at the list, so the list uh, this year was Arlo Parks, Biba Doobie, Celeste, Easy Life, Georgia, Inhaler, Joseph, Squid, and Youngblood. Now, as you said, if you're in the music industry, you kind of have a vague idea about yeah. these people. I must admit, Joseph is the one which yeah. stood out to me. I wasn't, I didn't recognise that name. So tell me about him. Joseph's amazing. Um, obviously, I can speak up for him slightly because I'm from the same city as him, from Glasgow. I was going to say, um, Scottish. Uh, yeah, Scott, there's a Scottish connection to that. Again, I am completely impartial on the process. There was votes from all over the world. That vote. The fact Joseph's was actually really exciting because I would say with his career, he is the earliest to get on it. He's just got this incredible, it's an incredible voice, but this kind of really laid back neo-soul sound and one of his first tracks, Lover Boy, is just like weird. It's, it's so infectious. Sam Smith's tweeted about him. He's a big fan. He's starting to get things happening in the right places. But what's really exciting for me is he's getting that nationwide attention. But I went to his gig on the 23rd of uh, December after we'd announced him on the long list in Glasgow. And there was a thousand people in wow. SWG3 in Glasgow. His first London show is now sold out. And yeah, it's really good to see. Another way you've kind of looked at artist development stuff mm. is through, you mentioned briefly earlier, managing bands. Yes. Um, and again, I only discovered this through listening to your podcast, um, How Did You Manage That? Thank you. Thank um, you. I, I binged a few of the episodes. Nice. Particularly liked, I think it was your first one was yeah. with Jamie Oborn. We then. started big. 
Yeah. <laughs> which is just phenomenal because um, for anyone that doesn't know, Jamie O'Bourne is at the management for the, the 1975 yes, Wolf Alice. Yes. Uh, Dirty Hit is his uh, label. So yeah. he's had a phenomenal sort of, I guess, best part of a decade, really. Yeah, if not more. Like, he's been managing Matty Healy since they started making music. And one of my favourite things from that podcast is he talks about when not a single record label would give the 1975 a blink. I don't think the 75 got anywhere near the sound pole. I could be wrong on that. <laughs> Might need to fact check it, but I don't think they definitely didn't win it. Don't think they got a top. I'm pretty sure they weren't in it. Because, you know, I think his, his example was he said he took it to something like 25 different record labels and nobody would even give them a meeting and now look at them it's a good story to tell Um, but management yeah I've I've got this management podcast because I find managers some of the most fascinating people and me and my friend Sophie were just like do you know what would be amazing just (laughs) like hear the stories of the and definitely inspired by a podcast I mentioned earlier called And The Writer Is which gets under the skin of like actual pop writers the people behind the Katy Perry's and the Billy Eilish's and all that sort of stuff even though Billy and Billy and her brother wrote most of it bad example <laughs> but um, yeah it was just getting those stories and when we started it we thought the thing about managers is most of them like to stay behind the scenes and don't want to talk there's loads you can talk about the deals and the lawyers and the fights and the arguments and the people you love people you hate but it's been interesting. We've managed to find a way over the first eleven episodes to meet some interesting managers, um, and hear their stories. And from the off, we really didn't want it to be. I mean, Jamie's maybe an exception. He's very successful, and we also interviewed Mark Merck Mercuriadis, who, as well as being Elton John's former manager, Guns N' Roses' former manager, is still and has been Nile Rodgers' manager his whole career. So just he, a little management. Just there. a little management. So aside from those two, <laughs> we went for younger managers, people that are doing it right now, people who are maybe not the biggest artists, like Matt, who manages Frank Carter and Rattlesnakes. Yeah. So yeah, that- management is a it's a weird world, and it's something I got into when I was originally a broadcaster for BBC Introducing and I think it was my friends up in Glasgow, a friend of a friend that said, oh, you should maybe get Ali to manage and I'd, I think I'd interviewed the band on the radio saying like, when are you going to release stuff, when are you going to do stuff, you're so good <laughs> and it turned out they'd lost their original manager they were in a weird situation that they had a record deal but they had nobody pushing them and I was like, right, I will help you out. How was that? Because you touched upon there, you also you also presented on uh, BBC Introducing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been, you've named so many things, we've been speaking about for so many things that you've kind of done in the industry. Podcaster, manager, yeah. uh, leading the BBC <laughs> Sound <laughs> of presenter. Um, you've, put on a, you've put on events as well, yeah. haven't you? So what's, um, what's been the most fulfilling for you? Is it the most recent post as the Sound of? Where actually you've gathered a lot of those kind of roles into one room, essentially. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of got myself. I was really lu- lucky enough to go to university when I was when I was eighteen, and um, when I was there, I I got involved in student radio, and that was kind of my launchpad into like. I mean, I used to be in bands when I was young. Even going way back, I was in a Scottish Cayley band with my family, so music's always been around. I was in a t- really terrible teenage Biffy Clyro rip-off band <laughs> in Glasgow as a drummer. Um, so I'd always been around music, but then when I got into got to university, I got into radio. I found a microphone, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. This is this feels where I can be involved in music, and I can either help out artists or put on events for people who love music." So I was putting on gigs, and I was starting to do podcasts. Even like we're talking like two thousand and sex here I ended up meeting people at the BBC and I was working full time at a restaurant and the producer in BBC Scotland an excellent man called Muslim Malim was like do you want to come in and try out to, to present and it was back in the day when Radio 1 had a slot for introducing 
but it was swapped every week. So Wales would do it, Northern Ireland would do it, uh, England would do it, and then we would do it in Scotland. And it turns out I got that gig, which was insane. So it was like <laughs> 21. Wow. I got a job in Radio 1. Um, and for the first six months, it was just that Scottish thing. And then I was told, oh, you're losing your job because we're shutting it down. And then three weeks later, I got another phone call going, okay, we're actually putting the slot back together, but it's going to be a weekly show and we want you to present it uh, with the Welsh presenter, Jen Long. And then we did that for four years as an actual Radio 1 show, which wow. was completely bananas. Um, yeah, and then through that, got into management and I didn't really have aspirations to go on and you had know, in any way the talent or the storytelling abilities or anything to go into daytime. That wasn't really my world. What, I love football, but I wasn't interested in football broadcasting. Who did you support? I was like, uh, a team called Paisley St Murn. I love that. <laughs> you so go. you sat opposite a Man United fan who's from nowhere near <laughs> Manchester. So you can't even call you a glory hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't. That's fair enough. I hope man. Yeah, it's because I grew up in Glasgow and you don't want to support Celtic or Rangers because that's just too obvious. <laughs> uh, no, pay, uh, supporting St Murn taught me disappointment from a very young age. So we had how to deal with it. Um... But yeah, kind of, so I, I was always like, I was doing the presenting thing, it was really late night radio, that was my passion, but I was very much like at gigs and nice and sleazies and bumping into bands and getting to know people, so I knew I was always going to be on that side of it. And then the management thing kind of happened and I went in this mad roller coaster, which resulted in me touring the world with a band called Pride, who are now sadly kind of on an indefinite hiatus. So although it seems like I've done a million different jobs and I have, at the heart of it, it's all basically working with acts mm. on different sides of the fence. All of those experiences, <laughs> there's there's so many there, and I think so many yeah. people can learn a lot from what you've um, just said. Um, and you say about talking openly about music, that is what I wanted to do with this podcast, mm. What's in the Bag. Talk about those experiences Great. Um, and the music that has sort of brought people together yeah. um, um, through the years. Uh, how about we do it based on tattoos? Amazing, amazing. <laughs> yes, let's do it so, based on tattoos. So I have—I don't look like the sort of guy that has the t- tattoos, and I'm a total pussy because I've managed to get them where you can't actually see them. I was going to say you've, you've rolled up your sleeves like. But if I roll my sleeves right up, I have got quite a lot of daft tattoos about nice. different things in my life, and I feel like they—they they have all. <laughs> they probably speak more about my character than anything else <laughs> because most of them are involved in music um, so instead of a bag it's just the skin I am in right? amazing of what we've got so the first tattoo I ever got was when I was just 19 years old and sadly I lost my dad when I was 18 and that following summer I was like I'm going to go and travel the world and I'd saved up a bit of money and I did like that Camp America thing incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly lucky to be able to get these experiences and I went to Seattle off, well it was an island off the coast of Seattle called the Orcas Island which is where mo- I would argue most of Death Cab for Cuties inspiration comes from the Puget Sound if you ah, Death Cab okay, you'll hear cool. loads of that so I was super into Death Cab for Cutie Bright Eyes all that world when I was younger and still am and um I was also, also, I love, and still do, don't listen to them, but loved a band called Less Than Jake, a ska punk band. I remember, I remember the name. Yeah, so Less Than Jake were from the era of like, I don't think they were actually on the Tony Hawk's skateboarding computer game soundtrack, <laughs> oh, but they're from great, that world. Yeah. You know, they're from Gainesville, Florida, and I loved that band. So America had always, I've been obsessed, whether it be a Jimmy World, Less Than Jake, Death Gab, those were my go-tos. And um, I'm, there is a point to this story. <laughs> and uh, so I went to the summer camp, and it was quite an emotional thing, because it was a big move after losing my dad and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm going to go out and see the world. I lasted six weeks in that summer camp before, because as an 18-year-old and, and then 19 
in the UK, you're obviously legally old enough to drink. Not so much in America because it's 21. Me and my friends got drunk and stole a rowing boat. And I was fired <laughs> from the camp unceremoniously. And then US immigration phoned you up because you have a visa. And they said, you've got seven days to leave the country. So I went with my friend who was from Seattle and um, stayed with his dad for a week. And his dad was just angry at us the whole time. But bless him, he took us in. And I think he was teaching us a lesson. <laughs> um, and with my like last $100, for some unbeknownst reason, I got a less than Jake... Tattoo on my what I can only say like creeping out of my waistline. Like in, <laughs> it is creeping. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. It's pretty strange. Um, my fiance hates it, but it's a lesson Jake tattoo, and it's a really badly drawn match being lit across my belly. But it's from a lesson Jake song. That's I can't even remember the line is. Uh, so light a match and hope it lasts. Here's to following your own lead. So that's that. That tattoo was just like I'm an idiot. I'm going to do this, but I don't regret that in the slightest. What was that on the pain scale out of ten? I'd never had a tattoo before, so I was just like, ah, top it, was, of the top. It, was, it was pretty sore. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite skinny as well, and it kept hitting off my hip, and it was just like, this, I'm never doing this again, this is terrible, which is a lie. <laughs> Those sort of circumstances where a lot of people get their first tattoos, where it's like, just on a whim, like, oh, screw it, I'm just going to get one. And it's usually around that age of exactly. whatever you're doing, and it's just like, oh, it won't matter. Yeah, <laughs> and it's discovery, and you, you, you know, again, I can't, I can't, the more I look back on all the stuff I've done over the last, like, I'm t- 32 now over the last 14 or 15 years I'm like I'm so lucky so lucky <laughs> to even get that chance to start to do it by going to university which leads you into these different things like so lucky and I, and I, I always understand that privilege even though most of my stories involve getting drunk in America with things I've done <laughs> whatever before being arrested before being arrested there was never arrested oh, no. <laughs> never been arrested a few, a few parking tickets in New York and things over time but anyway uh, so what tattoo did I get next I can't even remember I think the next one was a really silly one this one's a good <laughs> and this is intrinsically linked to my career this one okay. so on my right shoulder I'm taking my shirt down I've got the name. Do you want to? Do you want to read it out? David Weaver. <laughs> can you identify the font that's written in? <laughs> I'm not sure. I can. Do you know what? I'm not a font fanatic, but <laughs> so I think it looks quite. It looks quite clean. Thank you. It's uh, it's Courier New. It's a little bit faded now because it's been there for a while. It's Courier New, um, and David Weaver is one of my best pals who I met at university, mm-hmm. and we did student radio together. We had a show called Air 3's Brand Spanking New Music Show. And on that show, we had guests, including the now very famous Twin Atlantic, mm-hmm. the now very famous Frank Turner. But yeah, we did, we had different bands coming into our radio show and stuff, and we had a great time. Then we finished university, and we started a thing called Detour, which I mentioned, which was like a video blog, but a podcast, but basically it was just gig nights in this little dive bar in Glasgow, one of the best bars in the country called Bar Block. Um, and we put on these parties that we'd film a band once a month, somewhere random, doing a session with them. And then we would do a gig with them. The gigs would always sell out. It was like 100 tickets, but it was like on a Wednesday night and it was chaos. And it was open till like three in the morning, four in the morning. What is that feeling like putting on an event and just oh, actually actually seeing those bodies come through the total door? Total dream. Not even that, but loving it as well. Oh, just a dream. I mean, we had some amazing nights and it was just lucky because Glasgow is such as, as, as with other towns like it in the UK, like Leeds or like Manchester or Liverpool or... Brighton or Bristol that there's such a creative community there's always stuff going on and we just happened to be at the right time at the right place that we'd put on bands like uh, Admiral Fallow like Young Fathers long before anyone wow. would touch them for a Mercury and we put on Twin Atlantic came and did acoustic stuff uh, Churches before they even were Churches came down and hung out and Lauren's first band Blue Sky Archives played one of her nights 
Um, she actually came to the Young Fathers Night. That was really funny. We've got this excellent photo of Weaver, my mate, completely passed out because it was his birthday. Young Fathers performing and Lauren from Churches, well, not then from Churches, just watching and having the best time. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's a moment in time. Yeah. It's just all these things happening at once. But anyway, what that also led to, the reason I was talking about this tattoo, was uh, we were funded to go and film all the Scottish acts that went out to the Music Industry Festival South by Southwest one year <laughs> because they were like, you, you guys are a video blog. So me, Weaver, and my mate Ben, something incredible cameraman uh we went out and for five days ran about austin texas for the first time meeting all these bands meeting all these presenters meeting all these people in texas and making a video blog about it for for the arts council in scotland and somehow we got content out every day but we're partying every day as well and <laughs> i just thought how can we make this the most memorable trip ever oh i know what i'd do i'd say i'd been with weaver all day and i was like well, i'd had it in the back of my head for months that i was going to do it Get his, name, <laughs> get his name on my arm because the video blogs we made we were the presenters of it and it was very like the Dick and Dom or like that's, like that's most people's that would horrify most people to go <laughs> you need to get my name on your arm now but you've taken it upon yourself <laughs> yeah well I did it and I said I'm going to meet you at this place and I went alone from tattoo shop to tattoo shop going would you do this would you do this and guys were like no, you're going to regret that and I was like no no I'm going to do it so one guy eventually agreed did it paid the money got to this venue and all the Scottish bands that were there like Twin Atlantic Twilight Sad the people that funded us to go out were there and I was like everyone come out come out come out Weaver come here and I just pulled up my arm there was blood still coming down my arm and I pulled it up and there's a photo of his face when he saw it (laughs) and he was just like you're an idiot and that was it and he had no idea no idea and then a year later fast forward and I was on then by that time I was a Radio 1 presenter Jen Long who I did the radio show with for years, uh, is an incredible music journalist and now music manager. Um, she has my name on her. <laughs> no. Inspired by that tattoo, she has my name in Comic Sans <laughs> on her arse. See, at least yours looks kind of classy. Thank and you. It's on your, and it's on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there you go. Um, so that's a, that's another music tattoo. What does your what does your partner think of that one? Because that is another man's name. She is really not a fan of that. one. <laughs> really not a fan of that one. Um, but that's you know we're getting married this year, which is wonderful, and uh, you know you get what you're signing up for. I've never hit it. <laughs> uh, the one on my right arm was another time that I went to South by Southwest. So I went there once with the video blog I'd been. I then went once with the BBC, which was amazing, uh, when we did an introducing stage and it was incredible. And then I went one year with Pride's the band that I managed. So kind of in all my different jobs, I'd managed to get to this industry kind of peak to get there, which was mm-hmm. amazing. And funnily enough, I always end up getting tattoos in America because it must have some connection to me. Like, this is the milestone, <laughs> almost something happens. And um, this on my right arm, kind of on my, on my upper sleeve, I've got the logo of a band called Hot Water Music, mm-hmm. uh, who are like pretty emotional, hardcore, melodic, hardcore band. Um, they've been going for so long. And their lead singer, Chuck Reagan, is now quite an established solo act. He like tours with the Gaslight Anthem and Frank Turner and that whole sort of like rowdy punk sort of vibe. And... Um, this was this is the lamest story that Prides the band were invited to because they had a record deal in the states as well, and they were invited to like the Ray Ban house where they all get free Ray Bans. Maybe like five out of the six of us were allowed free sunglasses. And I was like, I've got sangla- I've got my H and M free like cheap sunglasses. I'm fine, but there was a guy in the corner just giving out free tattoos. I was like, I will have one of those free tattoos. Free tattoos, and the guy was like from some amazing like. Um, 
proper tattoo studio legendary one in LA or something and I was like yeah man and he turned out he loved hot water music and he was like I'll do it yeah yeah because so, free yeah. tattoo doesn't scream <coughs> I must get that it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> was, but... there, was there like pictures of previous ones he'd done in your oh, life yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. actually I can see you're alright so it was one of these total, total, total freebies of the music industry that, like, the bands are allowed to go to this house because South by Southwest and other music conferences are just advertisers' dream because they want mm. these cool bands to be connected to their brands. So I got that, and that was another one. I was like, oh, don't get paid much in music management, but I've got a free tattoo. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, and then, and then I've got another one on my right arm, which I got uh, when I was on tour a couple of years ago with my friend Ben, who I now manage. He's an artist called Old Sea Brigade. Um, totally different world. And his friend is a tattoo artist, and we'd just been talking. I'd always wanted something with a globe on it and some kind of stuff around it. And but, surprise, surprise, you yeah, can see America on that globe. Yes, you can see America on that globe. Um, aside from their geopolitical nonsense, there are nice people in America. Um, <laughs> was that I, a tattoo? Did you have that done in America? That I had, well, I actually had the... Because <laughs> we went out one night with his mate who's a tattoo, tattoo artist in New York and got a, little bit, got a little bit loose. And I was like, oh, let's go back. This guy's having a party in his tattoo studio. So then he did the outline of the world and he was like, dude, it's like two o'clock in the morning like I'm not going to do this really intricate idea you have um, so I went home with this really lame like hey I've been at a gap year circle globe <laughs> and it was so lame and then this amazing tattoo artist in Glasgow called Mel Gracie who's tattooed loads of my favourite bands uh, I waited for months till she had space in her books and then she turned it into this thing which is like it looks like a globe it's got like maple leaves around it it's got like acorns and stuff and I'm, I'm quite proud of this one I like that, it it's, well that it's looks nice. the real deal it looks than, like an actual nice tattoo rather than <laughs> someone's just like gone round a sellotape on your arm and with a viral <laughs> which is what it looked like for a year or so um, so yeah weirdly all those I did not expect to be talking about all my tattoos so is that four you just got that's four that's four, four okay. and then I've got another one which is now it's like a matching tattoo that I got with my fiance when we lived in London uh, we lived in Kilburn for like four or five years down here, uh, she worked in radio broadcasting, podcasting, and social media, uh, and we lived around the corner from this tattoo artist who we got to know called Laura, um, and she did sort of not. My fiance calls them corresponding tattoos, but I'm like they're matching tattoos, and it's like <laughs> it's a mountain and it's some scenery because occasionally they like to get out of cities. Well, there you go. There. So there you go. It's nice to have a That's link not to music as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. that. Um, what I'm going to ask is why I ask everyone who, as we said, usually brings the items in the yeah, bag. I, you I, are I the bag. The item, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also um, horrendously unprepared, but there you go. No, no, no. It's a fantastic spin on it. So what I usually ask is we have a Hall of Fame for what's in the bag. Uh-huh. So I'm going to get you to pick one of those tattoos. That yes. Maybe a, I'm not going to get you to take it off your skin as such. Graft it. It would be a picture of it up in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Which one would you go for and why? I think it's going to be the David Weaver one. Not just because of him, but because every job I've had has been surrounded by the people that have helped get me there or people that have helped me achieve all these goals. Because if you're managing a band, it's not just you as the manager. There is a team of, like, at one point with Pride, we had about 25 people worldwide working with this band daily, be that radio pluggers in different countries or whatever. Um, And, yeah, it's always, my whole career has always been the people, the people you meet, the things you get involved in, the things you try that don't work with the people. Um, that's why it's such a fascinating industry and although there are incredibly 
difficult challenges that the music industry haven't overcome with like access to getting into you know people from backgrounds that aren't from loads of money or people from mm-hmm. backgrounds like me who got to go to America when I, when I was younger and you know there it still is a huge problem with people from different backgrounds and definitely as a gender problem with access into the industry there are ways and there should be more ways for anyone to be able to navigate their way through the industry and because it, it is it's about the people and anything that can happen in the industry to make people see that it shouldn't be it feels like this far off world if you're not involved it's in daunting it, as well. it is really daunting but if you believe in music and you, you, you learn you need to learn so much in every aspect just by reading but all that's readily available on the internet and if you're quietly persistent and kind and like ask people but don't ask too much you will find ways to navigate and find your way. So there's a long way of saying that. I think a, 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 a tattoo about a person that I worked with and we achieved loads of goals with is probably the one that would sum up what I've done to date. Amazing. And I think everything we've spoken about there as well is going to be useful, hopefully, to someone listening to this as well. Because you've, you've just the amount of stuff you've done, be it from from either listening to this or listening to your management podcast, where yeah. you're about what you've done, but also other managers. Yeah. Um, just simply watching what happens with these amazing artists on the BBC Sound of 2020. Totally. Um, um, I'll probably just say, like, my DMs are always open at Ali McRae, A L L Y. M C C R A E, which in a Scottish accent sounds like E E Echo Echo, so it's <laughs> Alpha Echo. Usually, I do a, a little game at the end of each uh-huh. podcast called Great. Share, Keep, Avoid. Okay. Now, as uh, the man behind the BBC Sound of twenty twenty, yeah, <laughs> this year, um, I've picked the. Top three acts for you, yeah, which were Celeste, yes, Young Blood, yes, Easy Life, yes. Share Keep Avoid is basically like oh, Snog Marry Avoid. Really harsh. This is really harsh because I actually did for the top three. I met all three of them and made films with them that are on the BBC Music YouTube channel. <laughs> and I was not a huge Young Blood fan before. The guy is on it. He is he is literally speaking up for so many people that don't have a voice. He is. If I was 14 again, I would be loving him and listen to him now. Like, that definitely changed my opinion. Easy Life, I've said to the guys, I was, like, fine with their music. I quite enjoyed it, but it didn't grab me until I saw them live. And I was like, I'm in. I get it now. I get it. I went to one of their shows in Brixton. And I was like, this is it's something happening. And again, it was Unity. And then with Celeste, like, I didn't know that much about her. Then I went to one of her three gigs in Amira, and my mind was blown by that voice. And she's got such a calm demure, and she's so happy to chat in interviews but having you know spent a day or two with her now doing different things for sound of she's so so knows what she wants she's very in control of her own image and and and, and the creative of everything she puts out and yeah she is going to go so far just because she's so talented and so aware of the how hard it's going to be still mm. you know with with she's got brits rising stars she's got sound of she's and she's ticked off every deal. box within the space of a couple of months but she's taken that in her stride and she's not in any way phased by it i don't think and yeah so there's no way i would avoid any three of them okay them do you know what i'm going to accept that yeah so we're going to keep all of them for 2020 can you pick one for me though that you would share with a particular person maybe someone that hasn't listened to one of those artists someone mm. you think should listen to those one of those artists yes I think 
I'm a really big fan of Arlo Parks. Again, I'm completely impartial on the entire process of this. Um, but I think Arlo Parks is such an interesting artist because she's so young. And she is making music that... There's this weird thing in music at the moment where... Not naming any names, and I can't actually think of any names, but because of the way people are consuming music on Spotify, and because some of the biggest playlists on Spotify are mood playlists, you know, they're chill out, they're running playlists, they're peaceful piano, they're content, electronic concentration, which is amazing, I listen to that sort of stuff. But that kind of loses, that makes the marketing of an artist almost impossible. Um, Arlo has managed to hit this 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 style of her most few her most recent releases naturally fits into this real chill out laid back which I think listeners want at the moment because the world is so stressful mm. politically um, even on your phone everything's so stressful that's why it acts like easy life that's why Celeste that's why Joy Crooks these slightly laid back neo soul sounds that's why I genuinely think people are loving them mm. yeah she's just making some really amazing sad pop music that's laid back and it's, it's totally her and she just she was there from like the minute the doors opened she was there watching Joseph watch all the other acts was hanging out so pleased to be there so engaged chatting to everyone I'm like that I think I feel like it's maybe a little early in terms of her being on the list but I think she's got a huge career ahead of her just because of her manner and her mindset and she's just recently signed to Transgressive Records another independent um, label, which again, I'm sometimes an accusation of the sound of is it's it's all the major labels get their acts on, and this year we had four, technically five, in the top ten were independent, which is huge. What's the sort of tick list with the criteria? So it's changed over the years, but initially when it started over the years, it was like you couldn't have had a top ten album or a top ten single, and that was it. So, and when we say criteria, this is going back to the 170 people that actually voted, the 210 that were asked. They're asked to pick their top three acts that they think will shape the sound of the next year, which is quite specific. Um, so some people want to vote for the three newest acts they know, but I'm like, the music industry takes so long to break. Like Billie Eilish or like Louis Capaldi, they got voted in 2018 and they were actually the sound of 2019, mm. I would argue. It all went right. But I pushed it to be people that are a bit further along. So Youngblood is really successful. Celeste is pretty successful. You know, Easy Life can sell a thousand tickets in most cities. They're all quite successful, but they're not at that music buying public who buy their CDs in Tesco still. They're not <laughs> the Graham Norton audience. The BBC Breakfast audience don't know who they are. So that's where we bridge the gap almost. Um, but I made a change this year, which again is public, public knowledge, that it could be... You, you can't have had a top 10 album so that means someone that's not had a top 10 album totally eligible so I mean it could be someone like you know Kano technically could have been eligible people didn't go for it but he's had like 3-4 albums you know there's loads of funny int- intricacies to it um, but Georgia had had an album out um, so you can't have had a top 10 album because I guess that means you've, you've definitely done something mm-hmm. um, and you're allowed no more than one top 10 single and I changed that this year because it's totally feasible you could have a top 10 single by streaming just because you nailed one track but then still public don't know who you are because like you've just streamed really well yeah so it's very feasible that that could happen um so i was quite forceful for that just to show that we're not completely complete luddites going oh there's no streaming's not making a difference it's like yeah and that took a lot of changes to do that so it's quite technical things like that but basically the the, the people asked to be on that panel who are industry experts who are meant to be the top of their game 
they can pick any three artists they mm-hmm. want from anywhere in the world. And the other really interesting thing about this year was they were all from the UK and Ireland. And I had the most international panel there's ever been. I had people from German radio, Swiss radio, Scandinavian radio, American radio, Australian radio, all picking and they all went British. It's a very good sign of things to it's come. Good time. Sure. Yeah, and I'm yes. I'm just chuffed. There's look, there's three bands on the list as well. Yes, as a exactly. as a traditionally indie alternative fan myself. Yeah, um, it's great to see because you haven't really had that in the past mm, few years. The so. the lack of grime at one point worried me, but the the amount of people that maybe come from the grime community that vote or from One Extra or from Complex Mag or different places that hasn't changed this year at all. A lot of their votes transitioned into that kind of neo soul joy crook celeste so it, it would be an easy accusation to go oh, there's no grime on there grime's massive but young t and bugsy's coming through like there's not a huge amount h would be the obvious one mm. but h was ineligible because his mixtape which counts as an album by the occ rules <laughs> actually was in the top 10 out with the voting period so he was ineligible you know that's but you've got to draw the line somewhere so that was tricky so. Well, I think you've done a marvellous job. Thank you um, very much. Keep smashing it. Thank keep you. Keep getting more tattoos, Ali. Keep getting more tattoos. Keep collecting jobs because I, <laughs> I genuinely don't know what I'm doing next. When you've had five more jobs and five more tattoos, come back and we'll do this all again. Yes, and I'll actually bring a bag and, stuff <laughs> in it and not just bluff it with my tattoos. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ali McCray. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of What's in the Bag. Please leave us a rating, comment, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. That means that each episode will drop right into your lap as soon as it's here. Follow at WITBpod on Twitter and Instagram to get info about when each episode is coming and who my next guest will be. And a final thank you to Johnny Robinson for providing the music for What's in the Bag and Charlie Shreve for creating the artwork. You can find more of his work at Charlie Shreve Design on Instagram. Instagram.